morning, church. My name is Alan, if we haven't met. And the first Bible reading comes from Isaiah chapter 34, verses 8 to 15. This can be found on page 581 of the Church Bibles. In our Isaiah readings, we've seen many pictures of God's judgment against people and nations who refuse to turn to him. In our second last reading today um, from Isaiah, that coming judgment is described as turning the land into a burning desert. Although next Sunday we'll see the other side of the picture. So we're looking at Isaiah chapter 34 verses 8 to 15. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of retribution to uphold Zion's cause. Edom's streams will be turned into pitch, her dust into burning sulfur. Her land will become blazing pitch. It will not be quenched day or night. Its smoke will rise forever. From generation to generation, it will lie desolate. No one will ever pass through it again. The desert owl and screech owl will possess it. The great owl and the raven will nest there. God will stretch out over Eden the measuring line of chaos and the plumb line of desolation. Her nobles will have nothing there to be called a kingdom. All her princes will vanish away. Thorns will overrun her citadels, nestles and brambles her strongholds. She'll become a haunt for jackals, a home for owls. Desert creatures will meet with hyenas and wild goats will bleat to each other. There the night creatures will also lie down and find for themselves places of rest. The owl will nest there and lay eggs. She will hatch them and care for her young. Under the shadow of her wings, there also the falcons will gather, each with their mates. Good morning, church. My name is Mandy, if we haven't met. Um, Our second Bible reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10. And if you're using our church Bibles, that can be found on page 891. So Acts chapter 10, we'll be reading from verse 1 to 16 and also verse 34 and 35. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. 
Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. And then we'll jump to verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Good morning, everyone. Um, My name's Andrew. If I haven't met you before, uh, I have the responsibility of explaining God's word this morning uh, from Acts chapter 10 and 11. So please keep your Bibles open at Acts 10, uh, where we've just had the Bible read. And if you've got uh, our bulletin, you'll see on the inside page, there is an outline of what we're going to be talking about this morning. Well, please pray with me as we come to look at God's word together and ask for God's help to understand it. Please pray with me. Father God, we do thank you for the opportunity and the great privilege it is uh, to meet together this morning as your people and hear you speak. We ask by your Holy Spirit you would open our ears and humble our hearts so that we might not only hear what you're saying, uh, but trust it and obey it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever been the teacher's pet? Uh, I don't think I have, but I did sit next to the teacher's pet for a whole year in year four. Her name was Jane Steele. And in the eyes of our teacher, she could do no wrong. She was the teacher's favourite student. So, for example, Jane would often take pleasure at five minutes to three before the bell went, getting my pencil case and tipping all my pencils out on the desk so that she could find the pencil that she wanted. But when the bell went at three o'clock, did she help me put my pencils away? No, there I was left trying to put my pencils away, getting everything organized so that I could uh, go home and running late. Now this happened regularly. Uh, And so you can understand that I started to get a little bit upset about this thing happening. Picking up my pencils at the end of the day when I wanted to go home, So I started to get upset when Jane tipped out my pencil case. But do you know what happened? The teacher got me in trouble for getting upset when Jane picked out my pencils all over the desk. And did Jane get in trouble? No, not at all. She was the teacher's favourite. It wasn't fair. There was no justice. But Jane was the teacher's pet and there was nothing I could do about it. Well, 2,000 years ago... If the world was the classroom and God was the teacher, well, Israel was the teacher's pet. You see, Israel had been singled out from all the nations of the world to be God's chosen special people. God had given Israel the rich and prosperous land of Canaan. God had made his dwelling place on earth with his people Israel in Jerusalem in the temple. God had given Israel his, his word so that they could live well. God had given Israel the prophets so that they knew God's will and God's plan for them. No other nation on earth could claim to be God's special people like Israel could. No other nation in the world could claim to have God's word like Israel did. 
And it had been that way for 2,000 years since God chose a man named Abraham and promised to bring blessing to the whole world through him in Genesis chapter 12. Well, as God's chosen special people, Israel had a responsibility to be different. Israel were to be careful not to be polluted by the wicked ways of the nations that didn't know God. As a result, the Israelites wouldn't even enter into the home of a non-Jewish person to eat with them in case they ate food that was unclean. You see, for Israel, there were only two types of people in the world. There were those who who were Jewish, who were Israeli, and there were those who weren't. It didn't matter if you're a Greek or Italian or a Syrian or Turkish or Asian or English or Welsh. If you weren't a Jew, you were what they called a Gentile. And as I've just said, if you're a Jew, you didn't associate with Gentiles in case they corrupted you, in case they made you unclean and influenced you to live in a way contrary to God's word. Well, in our passage this morning in Acts chapter 8, verse 10 sorry Acts chapter 10 verse 28 Peter reminds us of this he said you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile but this raises a problem in the book of Acts the book that we're studying this term what was the problem well in Acts chapter 1 at the very beginning of the book of Acts Jesus had given his followers a job to do That job was to be witnesses to Jesus everywhere. Do you remember Jesus' words in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The problem was, the problem was that up until this point in Acts, the only people who are hearing about Jesus are Jews. Nobody else, only Jews or converts to Judaism. You see, the, Christian, the Jewish Christians thought that only Jews could become Christians. Only Jews could become followers of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, just to give you an example, at Pentecost, we read this. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, that is the sound of the Holy Spirit coming on the first disciples, a crowd come together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. You see, the only people in this crowd were God-fearing Jews from every nation or converts to Judaism, those who accepted Jewish culture, Jewish laws, even went as far as getting themselves circumcised. They were pretty serious about following Judaism. You see, even, but even after the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were scattered by the stoning of Stephen, they still only shared the good news of Jesus with Jews. Have a look at Acts chapter 11 in our passage this morning, verse 19. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. How was Jesus' plan to see the gospel go to all nations, to the end of the earth, going to be fulfilled 
while the Jewish Christians would only share Jesus, the good news of Jesus, with other Jews. This was the threat to God's plan, the threat to his gospel being taken to all people. So how was God going to get the Jewish Christians to be witnesses to Gentiles too? How could God's mission, Jesus' mission, to take the good news to the ends of the earth be accomplished? Well, in Acts chapter 10 and 11, God sovereignly acts to overcome the prejudice and misunderstanding of the Jewish Christians. God acts dramatically by sending two visions, one vision to a Roman centurion called Cornelius and one vision to the apostle Peter. Let's consider the first vision. We learn in our passage that Cornelius was an Italian army officer called a centurion. Our centurions were officers that were normally in charge of about a hundred soldiers, Roman soldiers. Now, being from an Italian regiment, he probably looked something like Rocky or Fab, uh, maybe Chris Grassetti or John Volpardo. Uh, we're not sure, but this, uh, this centurion was Italian. Uh, he wasn't Jewish. Uh, he wasn't a convert to Judaism. But one thing we do learn about him in verse 2 is that he greatly feared God and prayed regularly and gave generously to those in need. Verse 2 says, He, Cornelius, and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Well, what was the vision that Cornelius had? Well, we heard, didn't we, that Cornelius saw an angel of God. And this angel said to Cornelius that God had seen his devotion, his gifts to the poor, and, and as a result, he instructed Cornelius to send to Joppa for the apostle Peter. But will Peter, a Jew, come to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile? Peter would have had grave reservations about visiting Cornelius. And so God, to overcome this barrier, sends a vision to Peter as well. Let's consider that second vision. What was Peter's vision? Well, we read, didn't we, about how Peter saw a large sheet come down from heaven with all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds on it. And a voice said to Peter, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Well, what was Peter's response? Well, no way. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Peter was a devout Jew, a really devout Jew, and he'd been very careful his entire life to never eat any of the foods that God said in the Old Testament were unclean. Well, what does God say? God says in response, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Uh, this happened three times in Peter's vision, and then the sheet with all the animals on it was taken back up to heaven. Well, what did it mean? It was all very strange. Well, while Peter is wondering about it, the men from Cornelius arrive at the house that he's staying at and ask Peter to go with them to the house of Cornelius. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter to go because God has sent them. You see, through this vision, Peter learns a very, very important lesson about God. And Peter speaks about it in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Have a look at it with me. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, 
but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You see, Peter, like many Jews, thought that God showed favoritism to the Jews. That if you like, Israel was the teacher's pet. And as a result, the Jewish Christians believed that Gentiles wouldn't be offered God's grace or forgiveness unless they first converted to Judaism. And so we find in many of the New Testament books, Paul having to argue with or defend uh, the Gentile Christians and say you don't have to get circumcised in order to be saved by Jesus. Uh, that is only adding to the gospel. But this thought of that Jewish Christians had didn't die easily. It was a prejudice, it was a misunderstanding that lasted for much of the New Testament. Well, you know, many people today can think like the Jewish Christians. That is, they can think that God shows special favour to certain types of people, to people who are good, to people who've done well at school or who are rich or respectable or successful. Listen to this comment from Ian Moo at Fairfield Anglican Church. He wrote, I remember when I was working in a factory that people would often look down on us, which made some of the staff look down on themselves. The workers don't think they are worthy enough to go to church because of the fact that they look down on themselves. They think of church as an upper-class gathering, so they feel like by going to church they'll be looked down on. Ian is saying that the factory workers he'd worked with had been looked down on by people for so long that they thought that God would look down on them too. They weren't worthy for God. They weren't worthy enough to go to church. Have you ever felt that way? that you weren't good enough for God. Many people in our world do. Have you ever felt like God would not accept you because of the things that you've done or because of the way you've been treated by others? Well, you know, it's not true. This passage tells us that God doesn't show favoritism, unlike many human beings. There is no one on this planet who cannot receive God's love. There's no one on this planet who is not able to receive God's forgiveness. Thinking that God will not forgive you is a lie that Satan wants you to believe so that you don't get right with God. You see, the wonderful message in the Bible is that forgiveness is offered to everyone, to everyone through Jesus. In Acts chapter 10, verse 43, Peter said this to the Gentile listeners who he was speaking to, he said, All the prophets testify about Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Not just Jews, not just good people, not just respectable people, everyone. Everyone includes factory workers, lesbians, prostitutes, pedophiles, Muslims, atheists, even persecutors of Christians can be forgiven if they put their trust in Jesus and do what's right. You see, the whole point of Acts chapter 8 to 11 that we've been looking at over the last three weeks is to teach us, is to remind us that the gospel is for everyone. I titled this talk, Unlikely Christians, Part 3, because over the last two weeks we've seen two other very unlikely groups of people become Christians. Who were the unlikely Christians in part one in Acts chapter eight? Well, it was the despised Samaritans. Samaritans were Jews who had intermarried with other nations. 
who hadn't kept themselves pure for God and believed that God could be worshipped anywhere. Well, God poured out his Holy Spirit on those first Samaritan believers in Acts chapter 8 so that everyone would know they'd been accepted by God and weren't second-class Christians. Last week in Acts 9, the unlikely Christian was Saul, the feared persecutor. Saul the Pharisee had made it his ambition to destroy Christianity. He'd approved of the stoning of Stephen and he'd gone around seeking to arrest any known Christian so that they might be tried and executed too. But as unlikely as it would seem to us, God saved Saul. Well, this week, the unlikely Christians are the unclean, dirty Gentiles. Those considered impure and unclean by the Jews. Peter had to receive a vision from God to learn that he should consider no one impure or unclean. As Peter said in Acts chapter 10, verse 28, But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Well, to make it crystal clear to the Jewish Christians that Gentile Christians were accepted by God like the Samaritan Christians and not second-class Christians, God again poured out his Holy Spirit on those first Gentile Christians in the same way he poured it out on the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem at Pentecost so that they could speak in tongues. Have a look at verse 44 with me. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. For the Jewish Christians who thought Gentiles couldn't be saved, it was astonishing that the Holy Spirit should be poured out on them just as he had been poured out on the Jews. You see, God doesn't show favoritism. God isn't prejudiced towards particular people or particular nations. God loves everyone. If you believe in Jesus, you're a precious child of God, no matter what you've done, no matter what anyone else says. If you believe in Jesus, you belong to him, and are very, very precious to him. This is the wonderful message of Acts chapter 8 to 11. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is for everyone. Well, to help us understand how much of a hurdle it was for the Jewish Christians to accept, sorry, the Gentile Christians, sorry, let me start that again. To help us understand how big a hurdle it was for the Jewish Christians to accept Gentile Christians, Luke wrote Acts chapter 11 for us. Have a look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Well, the apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, that is the Jewish Christians, criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. 
Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped to the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he'd given to us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Well, these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem couldn't believe that Gentile Christians would be given the same status as Jewish Christians, that they could be saved through Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit as they had. But after Peter's words and the testimony of the other six Jewish Christians that went with Peter, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were satisfied. And so God removed the threat of Jewish prejudices preventing Gentiles hearing about Jesus and being saved. The threat to God's purpose for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth and for everyone to hear about Jesus had been overcome by a sovereign God. But this does raise an important question for us. Can we be like those Jewish Christians? Do we think that some people are too far gone to be accepted by God? Do we think there are people who are unforgivable, unsavable? Do we think there are unclean, unlikely Christians who live around us? Are we willing, you see, to share the gospel with an atheist who's maybe persecuted us or given us a hard time? Are we willing to share the gospel with a Muslim? Are we willing to share the gospel with a rough-looking factory worker or truck driver? Are we willing to share the gospel with a homeless drunk? Are we willing to share the gospel with a thief and a drug addict? Are we willing to share the gospel with a lesbian? Who are the unclean, unlikely Christians in our minds? We in our passage this morning... Peter said, God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or clean. You see, if we're not willing to associate with someone, if we're not willing to enter someone's home and share the good news of Jesus with them, we're being no different to the Jewish Christians in Acts chapter 10. In our witnessing to Jesus, we're to be willing to associate with anyone. We're not to be like teachers with a teacher's pet, who show favoritism to one student over and against another. Instead, we're to be like God who shows no favoritism and accepts anyone from every nation, from every social group who believe in Jesus and do what's right. In your mind, who are the unclean, unlikely Christians? If we're going to play our part in God's mission and be his witnesses to the end of the earth, we must be willing to share the gospel even with them. 
You know, it's all too easy for us as human beings to have prejudices and to discriminate against other people. That's part of our sinful nature, to, to be prejudiced towards people who are different to us. In James chapter 2, uh, James wrote this. He says, If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? When we discriminate against people, when we're prejudiced towards people, James says that we've become judges with evil thoughts. We must share the gospel with everyone. No matter how uncomfortable it makes us feel, no matter how much we dislike or feel uncomfortable around someone, will you pray, pray with me? Loving Heavenly Father, uh, who shows no prejudice, but accepts people from all nations. We confess that in our hearts, that we sometimes hold prejudices and show favoritism. We sometimes don't share Jesus with people whom you love. Lord God, forgive us. By your Holy Spirit, change our hearts and make them more like yours. Grow our love for all people, no matter who they are or what they've done. Help us to share Jesus with all people. Thank you for your grace and forgiveness when we humbly repent of our wrongdoing and trust Jesus. Amen.